0: What do you expect from God? What is it that you think will happen if you believe in God, if you trust God? What is it that will happen in life? How will your life be different because you believe in God? I think this is an important question to ponder Because, at least in my experience, people who really struggle in their faith usually struggle because they've had some experience in their life that was painful or difficult. And they really struggle with the question, if we have an all-loving God, how is it that these evil things happen? And so, what do we expect from God? Do we expect a life that if we commit to God, We would be free from every type of suffering. Well, that can't be the case because Jesus was not spared from suffering, the Blessed Mother was not spared from suffering, and many of the greatest and holiest saints of the church were not spared from suffering. Sometimes, in fact, it was even their relationship with God. And the absence they felt for much of their lives, an experience of the great mystics that caused their suffering. And so, what is it we expect by believing in God? Today's readings, I think, make it quite clear that what we can rightly expect from God is what God already does, namely, to love us. And that we, for our part, must be as much as is possible in this world. We must be like God. We, too, must love. In the first reading, Peter has this really wonderful experience that probably didn't feel so wonderful at the time. Before the uh, The section of the reading that we heard, Peter has this great vision that all food is going to be declared clean. And Cornelius, a Gentile, has a great vision that he is supposed to meet up with Simon, who is also called Peter. So there's two visions from God. Peter really has to, to give up what he has spent his whole life observing. He had to give up the idea that there were certain requirements in the Jewish law that he should follow. Imagine that for a moment. If our lives were, were kind of flipped upside down, when a significant aspect of our faith life becomes something we thought we believed this, but now we're called to this new thing. And the conversion takes Peter some time. At first it's food, but then it's the grace that God has come for all the nations, for all the peoples. That this is not a limited God who now is only focusing on a small group. In the fullness of Jesus, we have the entire peoples that are invited into this loving and giving relationship. We know that this is not easy. Peter excluded certain people. He wasn't going to associate with Gentiles. He wasn't supposed to. They were not people he should spend time with. Now the Holy Spirit is coming upon them just as the Holy Spirit has come upon uh, Peter and the other followers of Judaism. And if that's the case, God seems to have made a statement about people that is different than what Peter and the others embraced in their faith. Now, I suspect, I know it's true in my life, there are certain people that I tend to exclude in the circle of God's love, that I tend to cast aside certain individuals and saying, God, you certainly can't be loving them. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're living their life. And when I do that, I say that the Holy Spirit is wrong. Because the Holy Spirit is active in everyone's life. The Holy Spirit moves all kinds of hearts to respond. And human beings, even in spite of the close and loving relationship with God, sin. And I sin. So I am in no position to start saying who it is that God should and should not love. The initiation of this love is God himself. We don't love because we're good people. We love because that's precisely the way in which God made us to love. And we get little glimpses in our human activity of what the love of God is like. Today we acknowledge, for example, the powerful love of a mother for her children. And we get a little glimpse of the love of God. Mothers typically don't say when they give birth, well, I'm glad that's over. Now we can wait and see whether or not I'm going to love you because I don't really know who you are. I don't know what you're going to be. I'm going to reserve judgment for a little while until things are more clear. That's not the way mothers love. They love their son or daughter from the very first moments they knew their son or daughter existed, even before they were born. I would suspect that parents in general are just consumed with wondering all kinds of things and preparing for the arrival of children. How will our life change? What will our life be like? What kinds of things do we need to to get in order to prepare for this wonderful and momentous occasion? And in a love for mother, for children, we get a glimpse of how powerful is God's love for us. We as human beings have a limited love, because we're limited. God has an infinite love. God has a love that is without condition. He might not always love what we do, but he always loves us. And we see all kinds of glimpses like this. We see glimpses of God's love when uh, when people get married. We see glimpses of God's love in the relationship of friends and relatives. We see glimpses of God's love when people are moved to give generously to others who are in need. Perhaps we see most clearly glimpses of the love of God when people give not because they have a little extra change in their pocket, but because they've made a deliberate connection between the way they treat those who are in need and the way they treat Jesus. As we celebrate the profound love of of mothers, both living and deceased, let us ask the Lord to help us to become a better example of his love for us so that others might be invited to remain in the love of Jesus.